You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus, starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Coming at you right here before the Orange and Blue game. Finally get a spring game. First one since 2019. We get to see these Gators hit the field in the spring game format. First year under Billy Napier. Uh, as well, of course, so lots to look forward to uh, with, with the spring game uh, and seeing this team in Billy Napier's image for the first time. We'll get into my a little preview here. I'll go position by position of what I want to see uh, Thursday night. Of course, it's hard to take away too much from a spring game, but there, there, there are little things we can look for, uh, little things I know a lot of us would like to see uh, when, the, when the team runs out of that tunnel, uh, both tunnels, <laughs> uh, um, uh, Thursday night. Uh, for the orange and blue game hit that like button hit that subscribe button it really helps us out here on gators breakdown for watching on youtube uh leave some comments uh, there'll be plenty uh, i'll ask for your comments later on too from what you want to see uh from the spring game as i'm going through it but uh yeah be sure leave those comments like subscribe if you subscribe you get those notifications when there's a new gators breakdown out there of course check us out at the home of Gators Breakdown, news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. And also up on Gators Breakdown Plus, we had a chat Monday night. Um, we discussed the spring game, discussed a lot of positions there as well. Eddie Rojas from the Gator Collective jumped in as well to share even more knowledge about NIL and how that's affecting recruiting right now and all, all the rumors going on out there from other schools and collectives and NIL deals. Uh, Eddie jumps in and, and kind of clears the air uh, with some of that stuff. So plenty at Gators Breakdown Plus this week as well. Uh, later on in this episode, so we, this is a spring game preview, but also we get to hear from all these coaches this spring and a couple we haven't get, we haven't heard from yet. William Pigler, the tight end coach, has a lot of good things to say there. Of course, dealing with everything that he's dealing with at a position uh, this spring and his first as a tight end coach. Uh, so, you know. 
you, you want to hear what he has to say with what he's dealing with. So we will hear uh, from him on this episode of Gators Breakdown. But also go back to the offensive line a little bit. We heard about we heard from Rob Sale earlier this spring, and now we hear from Darnell Stapleton and also Ethan White. Uh, so we won't go too deep dive into offensive line. We we did that when Rob Sale was just was. Uh, talking to the media earlier this spring, but that was, I think, the first week of spring practice. Uh, so, you know, we'll get a little more uh, offensive line talk here before we sign off on this episode of Gators Breakdown. So plenty, plenty this episode. But, yeah, let's start with what we want to see, what I want to see. Thursday night, position by position in the spring game for the Gators. Starting at quarterback, of course, play a clean game. Uh, I'd say – Kind of tricky, the nature of a spring game. I would say limit interceptions, but that also means the defense doesn't call interceptions. So that one's kind of tricky. So I'll limit that one to at least make good decisions. And if a defender happens to make a great play, then give the kudos to that defender. But we don't want to see lazy decisions, lazy passes uh, that get picked off. Uh, if, if a defender makes a play, then so be it. I can live with that. Um, but also, how much will they test the ball down the field? We know Anthony Richardson has shown that capability. Jack Miller did not at all in last year uh, uh, Last year for Ohio State spring game. You go back and you can look. There's a YouTube video out there uh, showing Jack Miller throw by throw, play by play that he was involved in, a very conservative approach from him in last year's spring game for Ohio State. So do we see more testing down the field uh, from him as well? It's something I would like to see. And also the younger quarterbacks, Del Rio, Wilson, Kitna, will they have the time and weapons to do so? How much time will they get with the ones or the twos? Or would they be relegated to you know, playing mostly with the second teamers, third teamers on offense? So if they get their chance uh, with some of the, better receivers, better offensive line, uh, better weapons at running back as well. Do we get to see them have the time and the weapons to throw the ball down the field? Del Rio has really come on uh, lately this spring. As spring winds down, he's kind of been progressively getting better, uh, and he's been throwing the ball well down the field. So I want to see how much they, they test the ball down the field. We know that's a big part of this offense through play action with the run game going. Uh, so how much would they be able to test the ball down the field. Look, that might depend on the running back position and then the ends of running backs are producing. So you guys, it's going to be no secret for me. You guys have listened to Gators breakdown long enough to know what I want to see from the running backs. It's going to be a broken record till I see it hit some big runs. Uh, and we've heard about it all spring. Lingard hitting big runs, Johnson hitting big runs, Bowman hitting big runs. They have that capability. Can they do it under the lights Thursday night? Also, I want to see catch the ball at the backfield. That was a pretty big part the last couple – well, actually going back to the Michael P. Ryan in 2019 uh, with the previous coaching staff of being able to show – be a lot reliable receivers at the backfield. Go to the Georgia game in 2020. Saw it at times last year as well. So we know in the past running backs have been able to catch the ball at the backfield, even motion out as receivers as well. How much will they be involved in the passing game? And also, will we get to see Naquan Wright at all? And he's been going through some of the motions, going through some of the um, the drills that we've been able to see in open portions of practice the last couple of weeks. How much playing time does Naquan Wright get? But either way, it'd still be mostly Lingard, Bowman, and Johnson. Offensive line, we don't know how these teams are going to be broken up yet. So either way, I, I'd love it 
to be broken up and the teams to be broken up in a way where I want to see the starting offensive line together. And what we've mostly heard this year or this spring so far would be Richard Garage, left tackle, Ethan White, left guard, center, Kingsley Egwakon, then go to right guard, Osiris Torrance, then at right tackle, Michael Tarklin. That's the group I want to see a lot out there. Now, what Braun can fit in there a, a couple ways as well at left guard or right guard. He's still kind of been playing on the inside mostly. But some sort of combo works. Those five, six players that we know are going to contribute a lot as far as starting offensive line or when one needs a breather, one needs to come off for a little ding up or something like that. Hopefully no serious injuries. But See that group together. Uh, We don't know how these teams are going to be broken up. I don't think you'd want to break up your offensive line. Uh, We'll see it later um, with a kind of a theme that they're going with. Five equals one. Okay, well, we want to see that starting five be one Thursday night. I don't want to see that offensive line broken up. I think it's beneficial to get that starting unit together uh, out there under the lights. We hope we know all the issues along offensive line last year with penalties and, and cadence issues and using the clap and all that kind of stuff. Well, this, of course, it's not going to be 90,000 screaming fans, but still an opportunity to get that offensive line together in that kind of situation. That's a starting unit more so than any other that I want to see together. Wide receivers, kind of going on the field though there, see some separation, run after the catch. Um, the young guys we've heard about throughout the spring, Dejon Reynolds, Marcus Burke, see if those guys can, and Quavion Frazier's as well, want to see more from him. See if those guys can maybe prove that Florida has six receivers that they can count on. I think – the starting three, the most consistent throughout the spring, have still been the guys that we thought coming into spring has been Justin Shorter, has been Twit Whittemore when he finally got out there to be healthy enough to go through a lot of the drills. Uh, missing you know, those first couple of weeks was kind of limited in his action. And also Xavier Henderson. Those are the three that we thought. Those are the three that have kind of remained uh, as the top three from everything that I can gather. And now, can we see three more? Can we see a oh, – remember, with the last half, we saw that whole second set of receivers come in. Not necessarily sure that's going to be the same way of doing things with this staff, but you still want to give a guy a breather, be able to count on guys when like, like the offensive line if they get dinged up. But also just the playmakers. We've saw small flashes of Marcus Burke last year. We've heard about Dejon Reynolds kind of coming through this spring. Quavion Frazier's did some nice things last year as well. So can those three – get the reps, and then produce with those reps out there. I want to see more from the young receivers uh, Thursday night. Tight end, no surprise. Stay healthy. That is, That goes for the whole team, but specifically this position group. Been hit hard by injuries throughout the spring. Go out there one more time Thursday night. Got to go out there and stay healthy. So that's, that's number one. But also, I want to see Xanders and Zip together because that's about as close as we'll get to seeing some of those two tight end sets and what they'll look like this fall. Uh, those Xanders has come along really nice. We'll get into him in just a second, too, when we hear from Piegler, the tight end coach. But he looks like a tight end out there. This, this is not just fitting someone in there because, well, it is because they had to. But now it's he's producing since he's in that role. 
Keon Zipper has done is is tied in number one uh, right now. He's done some nice things. You know, he'll probably talk about that. But those two together is about as close as we'll get to seeing any kind of two tight end sets. I think with some success Thursday night, and maybe kind of an indication of what we'll see coming up this season. All right, moving to the other side of the ball. It's not going to be a surprise when we start up front. We need to see how these teams are broken up, but it doesn't really matter for Jervon Dexter. For me, I want to see him be a force no matter the competition. I'd like to see him versus the first-team offensive line. I'd like to see them hold their own versus him as well, but if he's in there, I want to see him dominate, especially if there's a second-team offensive line out there, and that's who he's going against. I want to see him dominate even more. I think you limit him somewhat at the same time. Can't afford to lose him to some fluke spring injury. But, of course, we need to see what he can do uh, as well. Turned it on after the first week of spring spring football. He, from everything I've heard, has been the force we expect him to be this fall. Money season for him. You know, one of the highest rated players on the roster, if not the highest rated player on the roster, when you want to start ranking players one through five, uh, you know, for maybe top five players on this Gator team, he might be number one. And he's go out there and look like it's somewhat Thursday night. But, of course, the biggest question up front, we want to see if others can contribute along the middle. How many snaps can Watson play? There should be plenty of reps, as I said. I think you get Dexter out of there. To give other guys some reps, Thomas, Lee, Humphreys, McClellan. Can the early enrollee true freshman go out there and make some plays? See what those guys can do in the middle. But you move to the outside a little bit too, Sap, Yumi Yellen, Boone. They have an opportunity there at defensive end too to you know, flash. They'll get there. That's what the spring game's for. You're going to see these guys get plenty of reps. Which one of those guys kind of stand out? Will we get any glimpse as we move through the position groups of this outside linebacker jack position will we get any glimpse of Brenton Cox becoming a more well-rounded player I expect him to be limited somewhat to give some or all Powell more reps as well but Cox will be out there and what do we want to see from him just more disciplined play well-rounded play more than he put the pass rush skills to use last year and I talked to him a couple weeks ago on the Gator Collective and interviewed. He's working on becoming a more well-rounded player. He knows what he has to do. We get our first glimpse of that Thursday night. Moving to the linebackers. Can the feel-good story of DeWan Black continue? How much do we see that combo of him and Miller? Uh, Miller, of course, limited this spring because of his class schedule. Injury a bit as well. But right now, with the way DeWan Black is playing, and Miller's experience, that there's your top two linebackers. Miller at the mic, the black at the wheel. Those two guys might just be your starting two linebackers. The one black is just making plays almost every spring practice, every scrimmage. That's one position group I'm feeling pretty good about making the jump that we needed to see this past spring. We get to see it Thursday night. We get to see some young guys as well. Wingo, Scooby, those guys have flashed. You talk to people who have seen them and have shown some nice things this, this uh, spring as well. But what do we want to see from the group all together going back to last year? Fill your hole, play your gaps, fill those gaps, 
and make your tackle when you're in position. Those are things we can, those are things we can look for. Moving to the back end, Jason Marshall, definitely cornerback one. No question there. None whatsoever. Does sound like Jaden Hill may have may lead in that battle for the cornerback two spot. Does that continue? How limited are Hill and Kimber? And, and will that pave the way for, for Helm, who's also put together a good spring? Florida's, Florida's in good shape here. Um, you like to see, hopefully, those guys stay healthy. Uh, but Florida's in, Florida's in good shape, I think, as long as they stay healthy there at that cornerback spot. Eager to see how aggressive this group plays, along with Travis Johnson. as He's taking advantage of uh, Jadarius Perkins being banged up at the nickel spot. So, Marshall, Hill, Kimber, Helm, Johnson, those are your guys that you really want to start looking looking at as your starting role, but plenty of backups there too to get some reps. Safeties have been physical this spring. Patrick Tony's baby, uh, of course, on the defense. Trading Rashad Torrance remained the starter from last season. That looks like it's transferring to this season so far. Staff likes Dean's ability and his leadership back there, but much like the linebackers. For that whole group, whether it be the starters, whether it be the backups, when there's a chance to be physical, I want to see this group be physical. Taking the right angles, making tackles. That's what we you know, look, that's what we want to see. A lot of this is overall stuff as well. We want to see the team play smart. Quarterbacks making the right decisions pre and post snap. Making the right calls and checks in this new offense. Them and the wide receivers to be on the same page, be in sync. For the whole team, limit the mental mistakes that plagued this team. Limit the penalties. Had some up and down with penalties so far this spring. Dating back to last year was not good. Can they bounce back from a disappointing second scrimmage in that department? Something to look out for. The mental side on defense, don't look confused so often. We know that was an issue. But also, look, there might be some of that in this situation with the crowd for the first time in this new defense, making calls. Supposed to be simplified out there. So go out there, know what to do. If we see it, I won't be I won't be too worried just because of all the newness going on. But if we don't see it, if we see the the smoothness of making calls, not looking lost, not hands up in the air. Be a good sign. And when there's a chance to be physical in making a play for the linebackers and safeties, then do so. Up front, play smart, fill gaps. Simply do your job. <laughs> that can go for everybody that's out there. Uh, but, you know, overall, look at certain positions, up front on defense, play smart, fill your gaps. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the playmaker. Do your job, let somebody else make the play. So there we go. Kind of a quick rundown position by position, what I'll be looking for. Thursday night. Orange and blue game. Decided to get some football. First spring game since 2019. All right, let's keep on moving. Let's hear from tight end coach William Pigler for the first time. Had a lot of good things to say. Let's start right now with his thoughts on the tight end room. I've seen Keon. I thought he had his best day of the spring today. I've seen him get incrementally a little bit better. You know, I think... Anytime you're in a new system, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but I really like the way he attacked today. I thought today was his best day. 
I think the number one thing in his game is just continuing to improve overall. You know, I think there's this narrative out there that he's only a receiving tight end, but he's actually got a little power in his hips and things like that, and he can really move people off the ball, but he's got to continue to get better at that. Well, I've been above and beyond pleased with Dante. I think Dante's got a real chance to help us in the, in the fall. The number one thing with Nick is the effort that Nick plays with. Nick practices really, really hard, and I thought, again, asking him to block somebody, the Sierra defender, I thought he improved drastically at that, and unfortunately, I thought he'd had his best day previous to the day he got injured. You know, I, if I was to say anybody in the room, Odom's probably the most intelligent football-wise. You can tell he's been around the longest and things of that nature, and you know, and on the point, Sierra blocker, I think he's done a good job, and he actually made some plays vertically down the field and actually had, I think, like a 35-40 yarder one day in practice, so again, we're going to challenge people vertically because if you try to put guys in a box and say, hey, this guy only runs stick routes, then what's the defense going to say? He only runs stick routes. We're going to challenge people over the top and, you know, we're going to do a good job with that. All right. Fired up about Xanders. I mean, look, I, I like that because of what Florida's dealt with at the injuries. As I said, it's been nice that he's been able to fill in. Of course, he's had some experience before uh, at the position, but what I do with that is I look forward a little bit. And it makes it where Florida doesn't have to force those true freshmen out. Those true freshmen coming in in the fall, they don't have to force them out there. All those guys need development. And I don't mean they won't play at points this, this fall, but those guys are developmental projects. Hayden Hansen has a size, but not, you know, not highly recruited. Huh? So he was going to go probably go into Louisiana before Billy Napier came to Florida, recruited him at the same position. Tony Livingston had to lose weight. To become a tight end, we need to get used to playing at a slimmer weight. And Napier, if you go back to signing day, Napier said about Livingston when he signed, he's a developmental player. But I think he's a unique athlete, Napier said. They have basketball camp footage that were, they were able to watch. So they're excited about his potential, his athleticism. He's listed as a tight end. And I certainly think he could play that position, Napier said. And said he probably played his best football going back to 10th grade. So given all that, you know, of course, another developmental player where he probably isn't ready to hit the field and contribute in a huge way right now. Then there's Arliss Boardingham, who's a wide receiver, tight end hybrid. Player still not in the true tight end mold. Not a recruiting profile to come in and play and contribute right away. None of these guys were recruited to be instant impact players. And we pretty much known that they're developmental prospects. So Xanders, him coming through, allows Florida, thankfully, that Napier you know, now doesn't have to force the issue of putting those guys in just because of numbers. It makes it, to me, sound like so far, Xanders makes it, his performance so far, makes it sound like he'll be in that you know, four-man rotation at tight end. That includes Zipperer, Elksness, Odom, Pigler said, you know, they're still trying to find leaders in roles for that position. He thinks there's a couple of them that can fill the leadership role. The good thing is the injured tight ends are still engaged. And after some recent off-field test, Odom graded the best. So still staying engaged and maybe even speak, um, coming up as leaders, even though they're not on the field. I like that Pigler cleared up the reputation of Zipperer uh, because – we haven't seen the blocking side of Zip a, a whole lot. And not that he couldn't do it, but we just never really got the chance to see it consistently. Uh, we knew he's been a passing threat. We've seen some big plays from him. 
the last couple of years. Maybe not enough, but they, they've been there. But it's good to hear the other side of, uh, of his game. I still think Elksness can be <laughs> the best downfield threat from what I remember seeing here locally in high school, um, putting that there to the field. But Odom getting involved down the field as well, not sure I expected to hear that as part of his game. So good thing that we're hearing that because sounds like the, the expected use of two tight ends, it's still part of the plan, but injuries, of course, are affecting personnel decisions this spring, according to Pigler. It's been pretty smooth sailing, you know, obviously I think there's some things probably publicly out there, but you know, it is what it is. It's football. You're going to have some guys get nicked up, but I've been proud of the guys that we have and the guys that have stepped over and made plays for us. Even though we've had some injuries and things of that nature, we've been able to get other guys from the other side of the ball. It might not be the exact guy that we wanted in that spot, but we've been able to still have the same type of practice and all that stuff throughout spring ball. You asked Coach Napier, we're about 60-40, 11 personnel versus 12 personnel, and I think... Uh, I think we're going to try to use the tight ends in a lot of different ways. You know, obviously with some of the situations that have happened this spring, we probably haven't been able to open it up as much as we'd like, but it's definitely a place for us to throw the football to the tight ends and also use them in the run game to create those shot plays that we're looking for. The big thing with tight ends is the ability to play in big personnel groupings, but also spread it out. I think so many times when people see 12 personnel, they assume it's all going to be in the box and, uh, you know, you're just going to run the football every snap. But when you can really be a good, efficient offense in 12 personnel is whenever you can spread it out and throw the football vertically down the field. And that's where you can really challenge people on all levels. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So I think after hearing that, I think we can still ask ourselves the question, how far... Or how much did it hurt that the, the, these injuries that Florida's dealing with at the tight end position? Did it? How far did it put Florida behind on the fighting, you know, finding these tight ends that can play in these personnel groupings? Like Pigler bringing up the ability to to spread out and using twelve personnel by you know, by spreading out, not having to play in the phone booth formation. I think that is the outlook many have on it. Like he said. Uh, but I'm also not sure how how easy it is to find a couple to put out there and that can stay on the field to take advantage. Uh, well, you know, Of course, what a weapon it would be if uh, you could force the defense to have to play tight ends wide after you've shown them on the same drive, the same drives that the tight ends were closer to the formation. I love that Pigler stress, you know, having tight ends that stretch the ball vertically as well. Florida isn't going to be this – throwing the ball 40 times a game team, game in and game out. We know that. But you can best bet that when Florida does pass in this offense, it'll be based off defenses, worried about the run, setting up downfield big passes. Come out in that 12 personnel. Have some success, run the ball. Those same players can catch the defense in a matchup issue, worried about the run, and then either get caught playing run in a, in, in a close grouping. They don't have the players on defense to keep up if the offense opens it up either. And then there's shots downfield due to mismatch, whether it be play action, close formation, then going down the field, or that same defense on the field, spreading them out, taking advantage of, uh, of that. So when you come out two tight end sets, it's gonna, especially early on in the season, when teams are still trying to figure out what Florida's doing, 
I mean, defenses are going to have to match that two tight end set. So if you've got some athleticism at the tight end position that can take advantage of bigger sets on defense, there's where your mismatches start coming in. But that's where I think the injuries hurt the most is being able to find out all these little details, find out all these little different ways that you can use the tight ends. As there's not, you know, their knowledge of the offense should be expanding throughout the spring. They get more comfortable in the offense, but the coaches also learn how versatile, how versatile these tight ends are. Now they, they, they get to miss that a bit because of all these injuries. And how many tight ends can you rely to play close and wide in a formation? Luckily, the, the injuries aren't serious. They've got a little bit of film out there through the first part of spring. Odom and Elksis are expected to be back in the fall. But it may have unearthed another option at tight end. Maybe a blessing in disguise there. We heard Billy Napier last week called Dante Zanders a godsend at the position. And after the injuries and now the departure of Gage Wilcox, Peekler extends that thought as well. So now, you know, we expected the four to be Zipper, Odom, Elksness, Wilcox. But now, replace Wilcox with Xanders. Florida still got four options. And I'll go back to it again. Doesn't have to force those freshmen out there when it comes to fall. So I'm not going to lie. Billy Napier's filling out this staff December, January. I don't think Piegler was on too many uh, radars out there of becoming a tight end coach. Here's the uh, story of him explaining it a bit. It's been really fun. You know, it's a, de- a totally different position. Obviously, Ken was nothing before he met me. You know, I'm joking. <laughs> Ken, 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 oh, yeah, he knows that. I, made, I make fun of him all the time about it. No, he was a, he's a great kid, and obviously – Players make coaches. You know, if I if I was out there playing running back at Michigan State, there'd be no accolades. I can assure you of that. But uh, it's been a good transition. You know, I've worked with the O line in the past, and my first job was actually at Valdosta State coaching tight ends. And my go-to joke is, uh, I coached tight ends in a ten personnel offense, so the tight end was never on the field. So that was pretty easy. But no, it's been good. It's been a fun transition, and I think anytime you're a coach, man, you look for challenges. And it's a challenge. It's a unique opportunity. Back with Coach Napier, and I'm excited. There's a lot of people that I've leaned on. I've I've actually reached out to Coach Dez because he coached the tight ends at UL previously with Coach Napier. I've leaned on Coach Napier, some of the guys in our room, and then Coach Gilmore at Michigan State. Honestly, I've reached out to about every coach in college football or in the NFL that I think can help me. You know, it was a bit of a surprise to hear Pigler and his name hired as tight end coach. Not that I had really someone in mind for the job, not really, uh, but because of his success, that current success, as running back coach at Michigan State. Go back to it. Pigler was awarded the 2021 Football Scoop Running Back Coach of the Year. You know, that was last season. After coaching running back, who he was talking about there, Kenneth Walker, to the Dope Walker Award, he was the first Spartan to win the award after rushing for 1,636 yards, 18 touchdowns on 263 carries. And if you go back to Pigler's bio, Specifically, coaching tight ends isn't there. Prior to Michigan State, Pigler was director of quality control for the offense in 2019 at Colorado. Spent the 2018 season as Louisiana's director of player personnel and quality control coordinator, helping Raging Cajuns recruit the number one class in the Sun Belt that year. So it's good to hear that he's doing everything that he can to learn about the position that we know Napier values a lot. And 
you heard Pigou say he relies on Napier too about learning this position. Thought it was a pretty good pull to get him to come from Michigan State with all that success he was having there in year one. So hopefully that translates as he didn't specifically have running back coach experience either before going to Michigan State. And that turned out pretty well. So as he said, players make a huge difference there. It would be his job to help these Florida tight ends when they get them all back healthy. And hopefully that recruiting pedigree pays off as well. So there we go. A little bit more tight end talk heading into spring football as spring football ends or heading into the spring game as spring football ends. Kind of where we're at right now, but if he can replicate that success, that year one success that he had as a running backs coach at Michigan State, and we know Kenneth Walker, really good player. As he said, the players make the coaches, but there's some good options at tight end, I think. Hopefully you can get that recruiting profile up there, but there's some, there's some good options there. All right, let's shift to another question on offense, and that, of course, is the offensive line, Darnell Stapleton. As I said, we heard from Rob Sell, beginning of spring practice. As spring practice comes to a close, we hear from the other offensive line coach, Darnell Stapleton. It's offensive line friendly. All right, we're going to – we're going to put our offensive line in a situation where they can go out there and play fast and physical. Um, it's very comparable to uh, the NFL, you know, uh, with the way we coach up front, it's especially having two offensive line coaches, right? Every, every team in the National Football League has two O-line coaches. Um, so we, we get together, we brainstorm quite a bit, we bounce ideas off of one another, um, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's something I think that benefits the young men that we coach. Right, to be able to split up and spend time um, where you can give more people individual attention and help them in developing on and off the field. I think the, the product, um, is, it turns out a lot better than if you just had one coach. Two eyes are better than one. Two brains are better than one. You know, um, you, you got an opportunity. I like to think like with a Batman and Robin, you know, where each guy gets a chance to be Batman, you know. Um, we, we play off each other. If you ever had an opportunity to sit in a meeting, you know, there's not one guy running um, the meeting. Uh, we're, we're feeding off different parts of it. Um, I think it's good for the kids to hear different tones, different voices, but the same message, if that makes sense, because at the end of the day, everybody learns a little bit different. Even though we're saying the same thing, somebody may hear it differently from me than they do from Coach Sale, but that's all right. As long as we get our guys to go out there and play and understand exactly what we're trying to get done, um, we're, we're, we're being successful. They're a hard-working group. Um, you know, coming in, you, you always kind of try to fill a group out, but these guys, they, they put their head down and they go to work. Right. They want to be pushed. They want to be challenged. Um, you know, and, and that's what we like about them. Uh, every day we come and we set a tone and a tempo. I think our attitude as coaches rubs off on them. Right. Not, no nonsense. We're going to try to be bullies in the right way. Right. Be physical up front. And, and these guys have, uh, you know, they, they've rose to that challenge of being sound, both mentally and physically. Consistency. Uh, I think that's any you know measurement of any man or any athlete. How can you do things consistently on a day to day basis? So that's one thing that we challenge them, you know, not to have too many highs, too many lows, but to play uh, good football on a continuous basis, right, and continually get better. Like our, our challenge and our thought for them is 
every day get better in all aspects of life. Whether it's this much or that much, let's get better. We've, we've moved some guys. Austin Barber's played left and right. Uh, we moved Michael over left and right. Um, Sabo's played both left and right. Uh, Bronze played left or right. We actually got Ethan White some snaps at center. Now, we, we're, we don't believe in one-trick ponies. So, um, it, again, it's a little bit of the NFL mentality, right? The more you can do, you got to be able to shuffle the deck a little bit if something happened. You know, this is major college football. Somebody going to get hurt, knock on wood. Um, and it's always going to be the next man up mentality. Five equals one. Um, it, it's, it's the offensive line understanding that we represent more than just ourselves. Uh, individually, right? So those guys take the field, those five that go out on the field for us Saturdays um, and, and represent, you know, Florida Gate offensive line play, represent not just themselves, but the whole entire unit. So we may send five out there, but they're representing all 20 guys in our room. And with that extra responsibility, they understand that there's a standard expectation to go out there and play ball at a high level the way we want to play ball. Right, physical, smart, uh, with some style of toughness to it that is not replicable. Um, so, you know, we've got shirts, we got hats um, that the guys will wear to represent it, but it means something. It's not just, you know, fashion wear. It's, it's, it's a mantra that we're going to live by. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with these coaches. <laughs> Every one of these coaches. Uh, it was the last one we get to hear from this spring there in Stapleton, but they're still bringing that, that, that care. Uh, the accountability uh, to to this group, but also the whole team. As we said, the, the whole five equals one. Spreading that, spreading it throughout the whole unit, spreading it throughout the whole team. You, know, you don't want to disappoint your teammates. You don't want to disappoint your coaches, and that's what we're getting uh, from this new culture that Billy Napier's brought in with all these coaches. I've been impressed with every single one of them uh, so far, and and how they uh, approach the media, and how they explain themselves, and the transparency and explaining every little detail. I mean, they, they, these guys are going into great detail. I mean, it's not short answers. It's not, I don't want to be here and we're not going to talk to you. Right now. We're learning a whole lot about this team through the personalities of this coaching staff. So, you know, kudos to Billy Napier there. Of uh, he, look, he said he wanted to hire good people first. Uh, and I think so far that's, I'm not disappointed at all in, in that aspect of it, but you know, keep going to some of the stuff Stapleton brought up and bringing that NFL model to college football and the cross training and also the, the two coaches, uh, the two coaches out there, uh, Billy Napier. Now that was the first question I asked him um, in his opening press conferences, you know, how, who's going to be the offensive coordinator. He says he's going to call plays. And he went on to explain to himself uh, that they were going to have two offensive line coaches, a very NFL model there. So, and look, it makes sense. For, and they've had some success there with it. Um, Louisiana had success sending offensive linemen to the NFL in recent seasons. Also throw in Osiris Torrance, who could have very well been an NFL draft pick this coming up NFL draft. Certainly will next season, but he comes to Florida, build that brand uh, at the University of Florida, get a little more eyes on him, and maybe even be a higher draft pick next year. Uh, so you know the, the NFL model um, – of the, the cross training as well. I mean, we know Florida dealt with injuries last year as uh, part of the consistency problem that he brought up, but Florida dealt with injuries uh, last year, having to get guys uh, in cross training in, in, in certain positions. So if you deal with injuries again this year, hopefully you're better, you, you're better set for it. Josh Braun, probably one of the biggest surprises so far uh, this spring, and maybe not necessarily hit at him uh, of being – a guy that they can move around on the inside, right guard, left guard. Uh, but maybe the, the biggest surprise is him not playing tackle, uh, and they see him as a better fit on the inside. I expect him to fully take – if he if he is, quote-unquote, the backup, 
um, you know, you're back up to Osiris Torrance, which, you know, most people are going to be uh, in that position. And it sets up for him to take over next year. I still think he plays a lot this year, but maybe the biggest surprise is him not being a, being a tackle. Like we kind of thought that he would be that fifth guy. We had figured out left tackle, left guard, center, right guard. We just penciled him in to right tackle, but no, that's been Michael Tarquin so far with Josh Braun kind of filling in some roles. Uh, and you heard him say, whether it be right guard or left guard, they're switching these guys around, but he's one key piece in this. Uh, if, Florida needs some help there that they can go with a six guy to fill in some of these position needs. So NFL model there, of course, of bringing in some versatility along the offensive line, cross-training these guys. But I wanted to you know, keep bringing up the – they wanted to be pushed and, and wanted to be challenged because we've questioned this offensive line because of consistency, as he said. It was a problem last season because of you know, some the injuries – I think play, did play a huge part in it, but started out the season so well. was one of the top rushing teams in the country all of last season, but mostly because of how they dominated the beginning of the season. Dominated FAU, USF, Alabama, Tennessee, and then kind of just fell off big time. Part of that was the coaching staff as well, not sticking with the run game. I think they didn't rely on this offensive line enough. I think kind of panicked with, with some of the injuries. I still think with some of the running backs Florida had. We know that. Not breaking any news here. Should have been running the ball more with Damian Pierce behind this offensive line. Was it as good as it was earlier in the season? No, it wasn't. But I think went away from the run game a bit too much. I still think this offensive line could have been more of an asset uh, last year, even dealing with the injuries. But consistency was an issue. Of course, the run, the run blocking itself just wasn't at the same level as it was at the beginning of the season. But also – the whole tenure, you go back to 2018, this offensive line progressively got better. And Florida had a pretty good offensive line by the end of the 2018 season. Martez Ivy in his last season there. Juwan Taylor goes on to be a first-round pick. I mean, Florida had a pretty good offensive line at the end of 2018. Getting us all excited for the 2019 season, nosedive. No run blocking whatsoever. You had to rely on Michael P. Ryan to, to – basically hit on big runs himself most of the time. 2020, nope. Better be glad we had Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, and Kyle and Kadarius Tony because the run game still wasn't there. Did get better last season with a great start to the season and then fell off. So the consistency has been an issue last season and overall dating back to the last staff. So definitely need to work on that aspect of the offensive line. So there we go. Good stuff from Darnell Stapleton going into a deep dive of the offensive line. But before, before we sign off here, let's hear from one more player along the offensive line, one player that will be counted on as far as consistency goes. It's for himself as well. You know, he needs to stay on the field and stay healthy, does Ethan White. That's who we'll hear from right, hear from right now. Uh, but uh, also um, just putting him out on the field. Uh, he's He's – there in a couple of positions as well, left guard, even some center. There was some thought he would play center last year uh, before Kingsley Eaglecon kind of just showed up and was able to be an asset there, keeping Ethan White and giving you two really good players there in the middle of this uh, offensive line. And this offensive, the middle of the offensive line should be pretty strong. Uh, White at left guard, Eaglecon at center, Torrance at, at right guard. I'm telling you, there's a, there's a lot of potential right there. Uh, for Florida and what they want to do with this running the ball uh, behind Billy Napier's uh, uh, offense here. But uh, the run game 
Sounds like it's in good shape right now, according to Ethan White. I think we're, we've, we've wrapped up the installs at this point now for the spring game. I feel like as a unit, we have a pretty solid grip. There's still those small um, adjustments. You know, if the defense comes out and look, we're not expecting that those things just kind of come through reps. So as we get more reps through fall camp and ready for the season, we'll probably get it all down. I think we're going to be solid. I always think we're going to be good in the run game. Yeah, Mon- Montrell's solid. He uh, he had a, a couple good runs on Saturday. He had one real good run. But uh, no, I think all the backs, him, Lorenzo, Bowman, they've all looked they've all looked solid. And again, a new offense. They kind of got to get used to how we're blocking things differently, where the where the aiming points are, and we just kind of all got to get on the same page. I I think it's been pretty balanced, to be honest, uh, between gap schemes, zone schemes, and you know all that. But. Um, I think as a unit, we like the gap schemes. Not that we like it more than anything else, but when we do it, you know, I feel like it works pretty well. So, you know, I, I like it. Ethan White likes the, the gap scheme there. You know, just playing downhill <laughs> and not, you know, playing in, in that zone scheme. And look, that, there's going to be a learning curve there. When you go back to our offensive preview under Billy Napier, zone, zone scheme going to be big uh, here, here in this offense, especially that outside zone uh, scheme there. And that's what, that's what they're learning. As you heard him mention, learning the aiming points of this zone scheme with the running backs and, and the their offensive line. And that has to be in sync. That has to be a, a unit there uh, getting together. So also good. I like hearing that they're you know, still kind of splitting gap scheme and zone scheme. You don't have a, a defense that can just kind of key in on how this Gator offense is going to attack them in the run game. Uh, so good that they're, be able, that they're able to do both. And part of that goes back to the strength and conditioning as well. We heard, hey, we want to get slimmer. We want to get faster. And a lot of that goes to this zone scheme that Billy Napier is bringing in there so the offensive lineman can get upfield uh, a bit faster and you know, kind of get to a point to where just get in the way and have these running backs use their vision uh, to, to make this zone scheme work at, 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 its highest, at, at its highest peak. So still working on both. Gap scheme, zone scheme will be interesting to see how these running backs adapt to this offensive line. And as the season plays along, does one scheme benefit this offense more than the other? So something I think we kind of keep our eye on there um, as we look at this offense there. But what's helping this offensive line? And I think uh, one thing, and Ethan Watt speaks on it, is bringing in Osiris Torrance as a transfer from Louisiana and also Cam Waits. So here's – Ethan White starting with Rashad uh, with, with Osiris Torrance. I think the biggest thing he's brought is just kind of knowledge. Um, if there's any small checks or small adjustments that we're unsure of at any point in practice, we can go to him necessarily. We don't have to go to the coaches in the middle of practice. And uh, kind of off the field in the meeting room, he's he, like like I said with uh, Coach Dave and Coach Dale, uh, this offense, he's already done it. So he knows what to expect on certain plays so he can kind of help the rest of the unit with that. Cam's a freak. Cam is, that's a big dude. I, I thought we had some big dudes with, you know, Stone and Dez, but Cam's like those two put together. I mean, he's massive and he can move too. He's freaky. Good to hear that there about Cam Waits. Kind of still more of a probably develop, developmental prospect coming from Louisiana. Didn't play a whole lot last year uh, as a true freshman there, but as you heard, freakish, versatile, athletic offensive lineman. Uh, got that basketball background. So hopefully, you know, as the season progresses, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see him in the spring game as well, just kind of see that size out there and see what he brings to the table, see how much he has progressed through these 15 practices uh, of, uh, of, spring, uh, of spring ball. But going back to Osiris Torrance and the importance of getting him, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Jervon Dexter being 
you know, might be that number one overall player on this Gator roster. It could be Torrance as well, uh, given his draft profile and given you know his accolades back at Louisiana as well, uh, and what people think about him. And look, I, I like it so much because we, you heard Stapleton bring up the benefit of having two offensive line coaches. Well, I think you have a third. I think you have a third right here in kind of the transition of Torrance coming in, the transition of offensive line, and you heard Ethan White say, we can count on him. We can ask him questions as well since he has played in this offense the last few seasons. So I think it's a, a big benefit right here of getting a player like Torrance in here I think he's kind of a third coach out there. Uh, and He can give some insight on everything that these players are seeing because he could probably explain it better. You heard Stapleton say, hey, Sale may explain it one way, I'll explain it another. Well, they have a third point of view right here with somebody who's been through it, somebody who plays in this offense, somebody who's played and had a lot of success in this offense. So I think that kind of gives you a quote-unquote third coach out there with Torrance being along hopefully the starting five uh, offensive line there. So eager to, I'm, I'm eager to see Torrance too uh, in, in the spring game and see, uh, does he just go out there and maul and dominate? Because <laughs> we've got some questions along this defensive front, of course, besides Jervon Dexter. So uh, does he go out there and kind of prove his worth uh, versus some of those guys we have a lot of questions about uh, along this defensive line? So there we go. We've heard from every single coach, position coach for the Gators this spring ending with Pigler and Stapleton right here. Good to hear some more about the offensive line from Ethan White, who's going to be a big-time contributor. Hopefully he can stay healthy uh, this year. We see him out there on the field uh, a bit more this spring and fall. There we go. Loaded episode right here. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. All these episodes here, bringing you more and more spring coverage uh, than ever before on Gators Breakdown this spring. Hope you guys enjoyed it all. Hope you guys Enjoyed hearing from the coaches as much as I did, learning uh, about these coaches a bit more uh, with this new staff. So, all right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Hope to see you, some of you guys at the spring game. Uh, but if not, I know it, the, it being Thursday night threw a wrench in the plans there. But do hope to see some of you uh, there Thursday night. If you happen to see me, just stop by, say hello. Don't be a stranger. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.